Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see. I will so, Edwin. Yes, Andrew. We're having this conversation today. Again and again. People are listening to it. Hope so. The world hasn't stopped, I guess. More than your mom. <laughs> I know your mom listens. Well, she does. And actually, I know we have just a couple more because we have received an email that says, please quit saying it's only Andrew's mom because I am also listening. And I want to say to our second listener, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So I guess we should just talk about Psalm 10 again. There is so much here. We've been having a hard time keeping our conversations to our limited time schedule. We'll, tr- we'll try really hard today, but man, some fantastic stuff. Well, we can it talk is. About I mean, it's it's a long psalm in and of itself. And then when you think it may only be half of a psalm, uh, which we've been talking about the last couple of episodes, it is. It is loaded. And when we laced, waste a whole minute on playful banter, <laughs> you call it waste. This is what they. This is what Linda and my mom listen for. This is the playful banter. NIV. Psalm 10. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts of the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous. He is haughty and your laws are far from him. He sneers at all his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will shake me. I'll always be happy and never have trouble. His mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From ambush, he murders the innocent, watching in secret for his victims. He lies in wait like a lion in cover. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He covers his face and never sees. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked and evil man. Call him to account for his wickedness that would not be found out. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. You hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed, in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. I got to tell you, that NIV sounded exciting. It was. It was very exciting. Well, there's You're lots of stuff fired going up. on. There's lots of stuff going on here. I mean, when you when you think about how awful this wicked person is, and I, if I remember right, isn't this psalm quoted in Romans 3 when Paul is trying to talk about how wicked all of us are? I think it is. I think it is. We'll have to check that one out. That one just occurred to me. We should talk about these things before the microphones get turned on. But here's what I want to talk about today. This is why we need video so you can see me. <laughs> Wildly flying through. Well, let's read Romans let's 3. Go let's just Romans go 3. find let's out find real quick. Out. Let's go find out. Okay, while you're searching for Romans 3, and you can comment on that later, here's one of the things I want to talk about. And that is that David's main concern, or the psalmist's main concern, is not actually the affliction that he is facing. 
the, the psalmist's main concern is not even the affliction that anyone around is facing. The psalmist's concern is God's reputation. The psalmist's concern is God's reputation. You, you started this yesterday. Remember at the end when we decided we didn't have time to talk about it then. That, that idea. <laughs> you started this yesterday. You started this. And I'm going to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, take it away. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We just didn't have time to talk about it yesterday. I wanted to reserve it for today. What the psalmist is concerned about is because God is not acting, it's giving time for the wicked to make all kinds of false accusations. So, there is no God. God doesn't hold the account. There isn't going to be judgment. Okay, and so the false accusations goes right in line with the one portion of this psalm that seems to be quoted in Romans, Romans chapter 3. Yeah, so it's Romans chapter 3, verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And it is the quotation of the quotation uh, from Psalm 10 and verse 7, speaking of the wicked, his mouth is full of cursing, deceit, and oppression. Under his tongue is trouble and iniquity. So it is the lies, the deceit of the wickedness that's called out here. That's obviously why the the whole Romans 3 thing came to my mind. I, I recognize there was a connection there. Yeah, I mean, and you <laughs> were right. <laughs> so we've got the lies, we've got the cursing, we've got the bitterness. And what the psalmist is concerned about is, Lord, you need to act because these atheists, these agnostics, these skeptics, these rebels— you're giving them room to talk. Why would you do that? Yeah, why are you giving them the space? Now, of course, okay. we began talking yesterday about God's reasons. Um, not our own. We we could speculate. We had a couple of ideas. We, we do see some benefit in time. There's time for repentance. In time, faith grows. Yeah. Yeah. And but God still doesn't give the answer on why no, he's he's allowing that. He does not. And and I think one of the fascinating things about it is is that when God gives time, we're not the only ones that end up being hurt by it. So mm-hmm. so David does mention there's affliction, mm-hmm. and and if it is, and mm-hmm. I keep saying David because I am taking these two psalms together, Psalm nine and ten. Psalm nine has the heading that it's by David. I had noticed that, and I thought, well, maybe that's another uh, part of this case. Why the Septuagint would put them together? Actually, it is another one of part of the case because in Book One of the Psalms, almost all of the Psalms do have a heading, and Psalm Tim doesn't. Ah. And so that is another one of the arguments that that is made for why these two should go together. But so I keep putting it back to David because Psalm Nine does give the heading that David is the one writing it, and if these two do go together, then we've got David. But the Psalmist, David, wh- whoever is actually writing Psalm Ten, he sees the affliction, mm-hmm. and and so. People are hurt by the sinners, Mm -hmm. but notice that it's not just us that's hurt. It's God. It's God's reputation. It's God's glory. He is defamed. He is despised. He is belittled. And and we would think that God would do something about that, but he even allows, even though he always acts for his glory, he allows his glory to be belittled for some time as this is going on, and that's the thing that's shocking to the psalmist. Yeah. It's not just me, God, in this moment of hardship and difficulty, but look what they're saying about you. They're blaspheming you, Lord. And so speak for or move for your reputation, for your sake. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're saying there is no God. And when you don't bring judgment on people, it kind of looks like there's not. They keep saying it. They're saying that, uh, well, he's not going to see. And when you don't judge people, it kind of looks like you don't. Mm -hmm. They're saying, I'm not going to be moved. And when you don't move them, 
it kind of looks like they're not. Mm -hmm. God, arise, step up, show them that you are God in heaven, that you do see, that you do take into account, and that you do love the oppressed and the afflicted, and you are merciful, and you are gracious, just like you said you are. I find that very convicting. Okay, when I get to this point of the psalm and the discussion, it really does hit home for me that in my prayers and concerns, particularly in times of trial or difficulty, uh, I can I can be with the psalmist on this about, look at my plight, Lord, intervene. I'm your child. You're the God of covenant, right? And, and appealing in that sense. But I probably fail to think in the larger picture of just about how this is reflecting upon God and what they're saying about God and God's reputation. You know, it, it really makes me think, you know, and, and test my motives a little bit about why I ask for what I ask or the request I make. It is so humbling that you should take it in that direction because one of the things that we see throughout the Psalms Mm -hmm. is that prayers are made, requests are given, and the psalmists almost universally tie it back to something about God. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're just being manipulative. I don't think they're just saying, okay, what is it that God would want so I can get my way if I make sure to mention something about God and who he is and what he wants. I do think they have their concern about their own plight, just like you. I don't think the person's saying, well, I don't care at all that I'm in pain or I'm suffering. No. But but what they consistently do is they tie to their prayers a reason anchored in God himself mm. that he would and should grant the request. And I know that's not something I've always done with my prayers. Or even when I ask somebody to pray for me, I I don't think through, well, why would remotely God want to grant this request? Yeah, why should God grant this request? Let me give you an illustration. Paul, in Philippians, Mm. when he writes to the Philippians and he's talking about the fact that he's in prison and death is on the line. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, is he going to live or is he going to end up being executed? And this is when he talks about, for, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He says, okay. you know, look, for me, I'd rather go on and be with the Lord. That would really be better for me. Yeah, Philippians 1. Okay. But I know that through your prayers, I am going to be delivered. But it's anchored in because God will be glorified in my life. Because it's needful for you Philippians Mm -hmm. that I live and continue on in in order to serve my brothers and sisters. And and I get back to the number one thing when I ask people, hey, can I pray for you? Or when when we see prayer requests come into the congregation, the number one is about extended health and life. And, and I, I don't want to make anybody feel bad. And, and listen, between uh, well, you and God, what your reasons are. But I think sometimes we ought to ask, okay, if God gives me 10 more years, why, why should he do it? Yeah. So, you know, you talk about the prayer request for extended health and life. It puts me in mind of an example that Paul gives of the Lord answering prayer with a yes, with the affirmative, okay, here in Philippians. Okay. So in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, he reminds these Philippians about one of their beloved brothers and apparently a fellow work of the apostle Paul named Epaphroditus. And in Philippians 2 verse 25, he said, I considered it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, 
but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Here is a, an awareness or an experience being related of this wonderful brother, Epaphroditus, who is so sick, apparently deathly ill, and there's a prayer and concern about him. He's delivered, but the Apostle Paul says he's delivered in part so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Yeah. You know, here I am in prison and do I live? Do I die? I don't know. But but what would have been too much would have been the mourning of the loss of this Epaphroditus, sorrow upon sorrow. Well, the powerful thing that you get there is that it does say he had mercy on me. Mm. And remember, of course, that God is the God of mercy. When he gives his own name, it starts off Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful Mm-hmm. and compassionate. Mm-hmm. And so it certainly is. Why would God answer this? Because he is the God of mercy and and he loves his children. And as a child appealing to my father yeah. for this for this mercy over my sorrow. And God doesn't always say yes to those because some look, loved ones die. Yeah. And and sometimes we have to get used to that. But at the same time, I can appeal to God as a merciful God, as a child to my father. But what am I doing? I'm, I'm walking through and, and thinking through, okay, how does this fit within God's will? How does this compare to who God is? How does this compare to what Jesus would pray for if he were interceding for me? Because he is my great intercessor. And the Holy Spirit who intercedes, is this something that the Holy Spirit can bring to God in full faith and confidence that it's the kind of thing that God responds to? I I love what you said right there, and I just don't want to pass over it too quickly. Mm -hmm. This idea that God is merciful. And even when we express our thanksgivings for answered prayer, how many times do we use the word mercy? Thank you for this mercy, and you are the merciful, and has demonstrated again that you are the merciful. Uh, sometimes we're bad about remembering to say thank you. Well, I, I think that's important because sometimes, we going back to the, the conversation with my friend about I'm trying to control God in prayer, mm. sometimes you know hey, I've said my prayer, and now I feel like I'm entitled to the answer I wanted. And so when I come back, I'm like those nine lepers who never even come and thank thank the Lord. And I don't realize it's mercy. It's like, well, I prayed right, so I I, I should have gotten it. See, I told you, there's too much to talk about here. There's (laughs) so much more we could do here. I I, I guess I just want to back up and and I want to think about the number one thing is God's reputation. Uh When it comes to my prayer, I really do need to think through why, why would... Why should God grant this request? That is a great question to leave us with, something we can be thinking about all day long. Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts about the podcast. Send us an email, texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing it with other people. Uh, we know you're doing great with that. And we're going to end this episode with a word of prayer. Evan, would you lead us? Glorious God, you are merciful and compassionate. You are slow to anger. You do abound in steadfast love and faithfulness. And Father, so we beg your mercies upon us, your people. Uh, Yesterday was an election day. Lots of people who are your children are filled with fear. 
obviously, Lord, you know I'm actually praying this well before the election. We're just posting it afterwards. But I know that you you see the past, the present, and the future. You see the fears that your people have. You see the joys that they have. I know you can work all things together for good for those who love you. And I pray that you would strengthen your people to love you, that you would strengthen them today to act in ways that uphold your reputation. Help me help Andrew to act in ways today that lift up your reputation as a glorious God. Help us to live and carry your name, not in vain, but in the way that honors you. We love you so very much, Father. Thank you for loving us first. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge wrote and sang all four parts of our theme song. You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so others can learn about it more easily. Have a great day. Well.